Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Tell me, Kumo D can. You know I can't, can't. Tell me, Special K can. You know I can't, can't. Tell me, Sunshine can. You know I can't, can't. Come on, everybody. We know you can. What's up, y'all? This is Tim Einika with The Library. Check us out on www.rapstation.com. Also, we're airing on Andy Don't Stop with Chuck D. This week, I had the opportunity to interview L.A. Sunshine of The Treacherous Three on his new book, L.A. Sunshine's Memoir, A True Story, The Real Accounts. Cop L.A. Sunshine's new book on truehiphopmemoirs.com via PayPal. L.A. Sunshine of Treacherous 3, uh, thanks so much for joining us on uh, at the library with Tim Einenkel on uh, Andy Don't Stop with Chuck D. Yeah, yeah, that's me, man, and thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right, so I, I just want to get right into your book, uh, L.A. Sunshine, A True Story, The Real Accounts. Um, you, you start off right off the bat with this uh, sexual experience you had as a seven-year-old as your babysitter, babysitter watched. Yeah, and yeah. And you say this experience shaped how you dealt with trust, women, and intimate relationships for the rest of your life. Was well, one was this was this story for you as you were writing it? How tough was it to share and that knowing full well that I was going to go public? Um, well, anybody that really knows me know I have no problem, you know, um, expressing myself. I wear my, you know, all of my feelings on my sleeves. Anybody that really knows me well knows that I, you know, I got no problem just, you know, being very open candid. And um, aside from that, it was just very therapeutic, you know, became once you started getting into writing, well, I made up the mind, my mind to, um, you know, embark on this journey, you know, tell a story. I, just, I think it's important that everybody tells a story initially, first of all, but um, telling mine, I, I realized early on in the process that it would be better served if I just opened up fully and tell everything for myself, and that was the purpose of me doing it, and that's why it's so easy. Anybody that knows me knows I'm being open and candid, that comes relatively easy, but if there are details such as that, that were unbeknownst to just about anybody, but I had no problem sharing it. And you talk about how, you, you know, like I mentioned, you talked about how this was, you know, this, this kind of shaped your life dealing with, intimate, you know, um, with trust, intimate relationships and stuff. So I was wondering, can you talk about a time as an adult where this kind of experience messed up like a great situation for you? I mean, well, actually, I've always had a trust issue with women because of that, mm. um, subconsciously. And I didn't realize it until much later on that, that would have, that's, that 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 was the cause of it. You know, I had a major trust issue. I mean, I just—it's hard for me to trust women in that regard. Of course, because of some other relationships that I've had that you know I've been through and I have failed because of um, a multitude of you know different circumstances. But collectively, I have a trouble. I mean, I have a problem with trust in women in general. And I want to branch out to, and this is not a relationship with a woman, but this is actually a relationship that you had with, um, a professional relationship you had with uh, uh, one of the original members of the Treacherous Three, Spoonie G. Um, uh-huh. Can you just talk about that time where 
I mean, there was that falling out. I mean, it's on page 73 of the book, but kind of wanting to know, like, can you just tell that story to the audience? Like, what happened? Well, I think you're referring to the time when, uh, you know, Spoonie would, uh, I mean, Spoonie on more than one occasion would kind of, like, left the group. Mm. Um, initially, we would, you know, of course, the original members of the group was uh, Spoonie G, Kumo D, and myself. And um, when Spoonie had the opportunity to go and make the record, you know, I was just disappointed because that was an opportunity for us to make an impact on just make, you know, put a, uh, a print on this new merging, you know, um, culture, you know, this art form. And we were some of the, you know, the, the higher, we were cut from the higher echelon at the time, even though it was very, very early in the game. And I thought we could have, you know, made some steps or made some real moves because uh, Spoonie put out Spoon and Rap right after, like, Sugar Hill. And, you know, had we, got on, had we gone on and did some real lyrical damage that we're known for, I thought that was a golden opportunity for us to make some haste. Um, and not only that, you know, I also thought that, you know, this is, well, this is a brotherhood. This, this is family. We don't do like that. If he had intentions on doing that, he should at least you know, made us aware of it as opposed to just bringing it to, you know, the, the rehearsal spot. You know, we was uh, rehearsing at my DJ's house, and, you know, he came in and was like, yo, I got a surprise for you guys, you know, and he just put the record on and, and played boom, 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 boom. You say a one for the trouble, two for the time. Oh, come on, y'all, let's rock the... Oh, yes, yes, y'all, freak, freak, y'all, a fuck beat, y'all, and then you rock and roll, and then you roll and rock, and then you rock to the beat, they just don't want you to stop, cause I'm the S to the P, double O and Y, the one MC who you can't deny, cause I'm the baby maker, I'm the woman taker, I'm the co- And, you know, the record is high, and the record is real good record, but I'm like, I wasn't, I didn't know how I was feeling, I didn't know how to feel, you know, I was caught between emotions, I was happy for him, but at the same time, like, you know, how could you backstab us like that because we're a group. If we're a group, we're supposed to do the record together and, you know, share the information and discuss it and see how we're going to do it. And he did that on more than one occasion. So that's what the problem we have. I have this one. It's my brother. I love him to death, man. But, you know, I just think that should have been done, dealt with a different way. Right. And at the time, did the other members of the group feel the same exact way or was that just not spoken about? Um, it was not received well, but nobody was like, you know, anybody give him the business or curse him out or nothing like that. Everybody was happy for him. Um, I think I was the only one that was really just majorly disappointed. You know, mm. I was kind of furious at the time because of the initial shock. I'm like, what you mean you got a record, you know? This is what we're aspiring to do to get a record. This is our tournament. This is, we're a group. We're supposed to have a record. And you went on and did a record. And not to mention you got a record and you're leaving the group. That puts the group in disarray. And then we got to shuffle around, even though it all turned out for the better because it went, you know, turned into the treacherous three that's known widely. As you know, me, Mo, and Special K. And I want to actually uh, go into one of the, like the, the the first songs um, that you guys did, uh, the new rap language. We rock and don't stop. When it's the super cat, the fabulous, get the anatomy, we don't think it's at the back of the tree. This is the way we get our cake. We're qualifying, rectifying, rocking till the day we're dying. Every time you scream and cry, we're here with no denying. We hold the honor and our pride. Take the step to get beside. Set down, Bruce, you will apply. We're going to take you for a ride. Before we rock it, that's a full and super juice is one by one. I'm Special K, I'm on the play, I rock. When I first heard it, because uh, I was just messing around and, you know, going back to listening to your music, 
I I was actually extremely blown away by the the whole song. Like okay. I I mean just as a I, I I'm a little younger, so I didn't grow up. I mean, you know, I didn't grow up listening in in 1980, but I you know, but grew up more in the mid 80s than 90s. But when I first heard, I like every I every every part of the song, I heard a new an artist that you know I grew up on. Like I heard you know Cool G Rap and all that. You know, I right. I heard where Speed Rap came from. So I was like, right. I, I was you know, so I wanted someone to know like. I, but love for you just to talk about the song and how you know making of the song and like what what was the inspiration behind it? Well, that was one of our our staples. Um, of course, again back in the day, the early infancy stages of you know emergence of the game, we were we were known for pushing the bar. You know, we were always you know hiding the bar, raising the bar, um, and it was something that Moby came up with. You know, um, taking a dump actually. You know, just coming up with speed rapping, and um, we all just fell in line with it. Um, Actually, Mo and Kay, I mean, Mo had, me and Mo D, we used to do them, you know, back and forth together when we were doing them, you know, uh, throughout the parks and stuff. And then he was going to school with Kay. He did it in, Mo D did it in the lunchroom. And the next day, Kay came back and he had one. So, you know, when Kay got down, you know, we just uh, became widely known um, for doing the speed rapping. And um, that was our staple. So when we had the opportunity to, to uh, record, you know, we was like, okay, now nah, let's, it's really hit him in the head. I mean, honestly, I think it was way before its time because, you know, people were still beginning to just dabble in it. I mean, hip-hop was always um, party-friendly. I think the, the routine is party-friendly, but it didn't transfer as a record to be, uh, you know, it wasn't record-friendly per se. But lyrically, no, nah, it it was, we raised the ball with that. Um, but that was just our mainstay. That was our staple. I mean, it definitely raised notice of, okay, you know, for us to come out the gate with that, for people that didn't know nothing about the Treacherous Three or Spoonie G and the Treacherous Three, it's like, wow, well, who's these guys? Right. Yeah. And I actually want to go into another song. And in the book, you describe the song uh, Body Rock as, you say, your first, quote-unquote, real song. Um, can uh-huh. you kind of explain what you meant by that? Well, if you if you look at uh, the new rap language, which is the fast rap, and we just said fast rhymes, is what, that's what we call them. We all just said fast rhymes straight through it. There was no song structure. It wasn't a a beginning, a middle, and an end. It was just start the track, we're going to run through the track, and when the track run out, that's when we're going to stop. Right. We did this with At The Party, which came out with Body Rock. Um, separately, we released two songs at the same time. We, you know, we, that was a number of people of ours for putting out two songs simultaneously. Um, at The Party was primarily a bunch of our party routines, stuff that we would perform at parties, put together. Like, mm-hmm. it was a bunch of different routines that we just made and said, okay, we're going to put these on the record. Cause then, and that's why we named it At The Party. Um, but when we did the body rock, we sat down and, you know, consciously made up a song, a beginning of an intro, a middle, an end, uh, you know, the form, the way we formatted it, okay, we all say rhymes at this point, we have a chorus, um, there's a, a break, there's a bridge, you know, all of those things. We went consciously into creating that and making it a song. We got something new, we got something new Well if you're rated like you ate it like the movie review You see we get five stars for each of us So let us tell you the deal because it is a must Well I'm the number one eight Face in the face, I'm the face in the place Princess, hey, and I'm the number one dude No dude, what the you said I got more rhymes than mother dude Well I'm the number one Jay, here to stay Yes to say the winner play all the way to the break of day um, I was just wondering. You, you've obviously had, you, you guys had a had a had a long career, and you had a lot of times to think about this. Do you, do you have a in all the stuff that you've done? Do you have a favorite verse? Mm, that's a good 
good question. Uh, for me, uh, you mean for me specifically? Uh, yeah, something that you've you've written, and I, I would say even something that someone else has written. And I wrote all my stuff. That's first. Um, <laughs> I mean, um, I would, yeah, exactly. Go ahead. To um, no, I never. Um, um, I, if I had to, if I had to pick something, even though this question was never posed to me, and I never really given no real serious thought. Um, it was something that we did on the reunion album. Uh, I think it was '94 um, with Ichiban, and it was on the record that we did it uh, on the collab record with Melly Mel, uh, Chuck, uh, Have God Bless Him, uh, uh, Tito from the Feelers, Big Daddy Kane, and Grandmaster Cash. Mm. Um, and I just said a little verse on that. That's just I think you know that's something that I. That's one of my favorites. Oh, cool. Um, and I want to, okay, we're speaking with uh, Elliot Sunshine from Treacherous 3. I want to go back to the book. Um, you you really lay, I mean, like in the beginning of the interview, I, you really lay it all out on the book, and you kind of detail your drug use, your depression, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just wondering, like, why why now? Why 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 did, why did you decide to open up now? Um, again, I, I think it was it, it's imperative that everybody tells their story because I think everybody's got a story to tell. But um, for me... It was a purging, you know. Um, it was th- totally therapeutic for me. Um, I know I'm misunderstood, and I've always been, but I didn't do it for outward reasons. I did it for myself specifically, and I did it for me um, to, to, to help cleanse and purge myself. It wasn't like I was trying to all of a sudden divulge some information. I needed to release it. I needed to get it out of me so I could begin to deal with it. Right. Um, because I still deal with these issues to, the, to this day. You know, I'm not ashamed to say that, but... Prior to me writing the book and, you know, years gone by, I didn't know what I was dealing with. I just knew I was always depressed, um, didn't give it, to, you know, a second thought or even try to break it down or analyze it or, you know, anything like that. Um, I had suicidal thoughts all my life. You know, I tried to kill myself three times. Um, you know, these are things that I've lived with. Um, but as I began to put the story down, it just felt like a release. It felt good. It was just purging and so energetic and rejuvenating. That I was like, okay, no, this is easier for me. And I, did, I didn't intend to do it like to, let me tell my story so people can understand me. I did it so I can get the release out. Oh, interesting. Uh, out of everything that's have happened in your life, uh, personally, what, what has been your darkest day? And professionally, what has been your darkest day? Um, well, my darkest day was when I had to uh, shoot somebody. You know, um, because I'm anybody that knows me again, I'm a wolf, man, you know. Um, you know, just the way I'm, the way I'm built. You know, uh, my makeup is like uh, I just get mad when I see people arguing and fighting, man. Even though it sounds corny and like you want to play violins and stuff, but man, I just truly believe in harmony, man. And right. it's, it doesn't exist for the most part, so it kind of bothers me. And to look back on that, knowing that I was so close to going onto that side of the street, and even though I did it out of necessity because you know I think my life was at stake, but um, that just shows how deep into the pit and to the trenches I was because, I mean, I would never even be caught in that position or even carrying a weapon or whatever, but my life was at stake. So I was like, okay, uh, I got to do this just for, you know, to, to maintain food. Right. You know? Right, of course. Stay alive, you know? And um, professionally, oh, boy, so many. <laughs> so many. Um, I think, and this might sound really crazy, but um, collectively, my career was dark for me, even though I enjoy performing because I do probably more than anything else. 
I get more gratification. I, I, I'm more satisfied and gratified out of performing on stage. Mm. But with that said, the majority of the business part of it always comes into play. You know, you have to get off stage and you have to go deal with the business aspect of it. And the business is so crappy. The business is so shady. It's so uninviting. And I learned that really, really early on, and I was never able to shake it. Like, I'd have a happy moment, but then I had turns into darkness. Like, for example, okay, we make a hot record. We lay it down. We, we get it out. It's on the radio. Um, you know, it's moving and it's doing well. But then the business comes in when it's time to get paid for it. We don't get a dime. Right, right. You know, and that happened repeatedly. You know, it's always um, I've, I've learned to always wait for the other shoe to drop. Mm. So, you know, that, that kept me in darkness, per se. You know, even though I learned over the years to take the good with the bad. But, nah, you know, to answer the question, what was my darkest moment? Was a lot of them. A right. lot of them. Is there anything you regret that's in the book that you, after print, you wanted to take out? Or? Nah, not at all. No. I mean, because, I mean, all of that came from, uh, you know, uh, you start telling the story and it just opens up another lane and another lane and another lane and another lane because one, one story leads to another. Because initially, when you're thinking back on all of that stuff, it's not like it's sitting dead in the front of my brain. Right. It's a lot of that stuff. I mean, the, the depression and, you know, the, the darkness that I've carried with me all that time was there. It stayed. It was always in the, in, in the forefront. But... One thing always led to another. Like, you know, I talk about my mom and I talk about my brother Sire dying and um, then that would lead to, you know, my, my, my brothers. Uh, and then would lead to a situation with my brother and his friends. And he was, you know, it, it just was a ripple effect. So, I mean, like, it seems like, it seems, I, I think it's true for anything, but when you write things down, it, it everything becomes more real. Yes, and that's exactly what it's a very good way of saying because it, it was much easier for me to deal with. And I wasn't aware of that until I actually began the process. And once I began the process, I'm like, "Oh no, this is great for me. This is this is the new drug right here." Right. Did you, I mean, I'm just curious. Did you did you did you come up with the idea for the book, or was it like a friend or? No, it was, it was me. I've always you know inspired to do it, and I did it with Dutch uh, Lucille Dutch. You know what I'm saying? And he just happened to be an author of some other material that he'd done earlier. And you know, I mentioned it to him. He's like, "Well, no, you know." Um, uh, you know, we we can we can even start this process because I didn't know anything about it. I just knew about okay, I want to tell my story. You know, get on the computer and start typing some stuff. You know, mm-hmm. and um, him being you know tapped into what that business and that process entails. You know, flipped it and you know, so just adding that little Dutch flavor to it. You know, uh, lend itself commend uh, you know immensely. I want to kind of shift gears. Uh, do you uh, just do you listen to the to new school stuff or? Are you more into old school still? Um, you know, and without, at the risk of being considered uh, old school mad rapper, no, <laughs> I don't. Um, but not, I mean, this is a good reason as well, but it's not solely because I don't appreciate what it what it stands for. Because, you know, it, it, the ceiling is lower. Um, anybody know me again? I mean, I'm not into yelling and, and, and bitching and fucking and fighting and killing and just mad. Now, how the record start off and you say, well, these niggas don't know. Now, how the record start like that? Hey, what, what you talking about? Who are you talking that, to? <laughs> yeah, what I, what I do to you? The record ain't start yet. Um, that coupled with having to sift through eight to ten bad songs to hear one or two good ones, I'm not willing to compromise. Now, that may be a loss on my part, and I'm willing to accept that. 
that coupled with the fact that I've all my musical preference has always been old school R and B. I used to get flack from the group, you know, when we'd be riding or we touring or we you know doing something and somebody would be listening listening to music coming out of my bunk or, you know, out of my headphones or something and they'll hear the OJs or Blue Magic or even Simon and Garfunkel, the Beatles or something, and they'd be like, yo, man, we're late playing this bullshit, man. We want to hear KRS-One, you know, we want to hear some Chuck. You know, but I'm, I've always been built like that. I've always been, my, my musical preference has always been old school, smooth, smooth R&B. Um, I have an appreciation for hip-hop, but it's very, very selective. And it, yes, it does date. It is dated. Do you think, I just care, do you think old school... When we look back at old school hip hop, do you, I mean, do you think we romanticize it a little too much? Nah, not at all. Nah, I think it's underappreciated, to be honest. And I mean, I, everybody is stuck in their era at some point, you know, to, I mean, to some degree or another. And and I say that because everybody's, for example, old school is different for different generations. Because you could talk, you could talk to a a cat that's twenty five, twenty six year old, six years old, and his old school is five, six years ago, or, or Snoop could be considered old school now. Yeah. Snoop is nowhere near old school, you know, if you're talking right. to somebody cut from my cloth. So with in mind, you know, I don't think you romanticize about it. Everybody is stuck in their era, justifiably so, because you only know what, what you know. But I just happen to know, you know, my, my history precedes most cats. So, you know, that, that is what it is. But no, nah, I don't romanticize about it like that. I think it's, it warrants more credibility than it actually receives. Hmm. You know, oh. I mean, I think it doesn't get its just dessert because you know we can get on a milk crate and say that if we don't, if you don't, uh, you know, acknowledge it, it's not going to, uh, you know, it's going to fall by the wayside. You know, and I think that's imperative that you know it's recognized, that it's recognized to to its fullest and get its just dessert. That's why you have as many. That's why you don't get. I mean, you get as many mad rappers or people that just disgruntled because they none of them didn't get what they actually deserve. You know, from it um, and. The ones that haven't, that's all they have to cling to. So in that regard, yeah, you know, people romanticize about it because that's all they have. Um, and this, is, this will be my last question, and I, and I have to ask this because uh, one of the other hosts on the show, uh, Flatline, he does a show called Hip Hop Gods, brought this to my attention, and he was actually curious. Um, he actually wants to know, what, what was it like uh, recording uh, Sticks and Stones, which featured uh, on the De La Soul promo, only uh, Clear Lake Auditorium? Um, it was... It was, I felt it was a privilege because I felt it was a compliment because uh, when Prince Paul contacted me, he was like, yo, you know, we want to do some stuff and pay homage to some of the old guys and get some guys together. Um, and it wound up being Tito, myself, Kaz, and, uh, and Whip. But sadly, I was in such a dark space. Um, I was homeless at the time. I was unable to enjoy it to the fullest. I am... Um, you know, I, I, I love doing the project, but I wish I was able to appreciate it to as full as the way I did. I mean, I was like, okay, nah. I was pretty much a robot going on fumes. Like, okay, give me, you know, you know I'll pay, okay, write the track and write the record and just go. You know, and and that's something that I feel somewhat bad about. That was an opportunity missed. I could have soaked that in more, but I wasn't able to because I was just in such a dark space. I was a, a zombie, a robot, a druggie, a homeless, you know. Well, I'm contemplating suicide still, so yeah, that was a rough time. I know it's been a while since the last time you've heard at least sunshine, pick up a microphone and rhyme. But now I think it's time to go for mine, so you can sit back, relax, just max and unwind. Because it's time for me to put a few heads to bed, because I'm upset at what somebody said. I've heard through the grapevine, it's been said that 
Do you want to listen to your old stuff because you know the dark place you... Because you don't want to rem- remind yourself of the um, dark place you... It, it depends on what state of mind I am because there's still more than one person in me. So, you know, whatever one comes to the surface, you know, sometimes when I'm, you know, I use it as a motivation a motivating tool um, when I want to get up and get amped. Sometimes it works, but sometimes, it depends, you know, I, find I can do the same thing and listen to the stylistics and it serves the same purpose. Right, right, of course. So, you know, it's just depending on what my music preference is. But um, no, I don't have a problem listening to it. I listen to it, and for the most part, when I do, it doesn't put me in a dark space because I'm slowly, I have my, my, my days where I have to deal with that. But uh, for the most part, you know, I learn how to deal with my depression and, you know, all of those issues. And it's a, I, I learned that it's a day-to-day process, you know, and you take one day at a time. The name of the book is A True Story, The Real Accounts. Uh, L.A. Sunshine is the author. L.A. Sunshine, thanks so much for joining no, thank us. Thank you, Tim. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. That was L.A. Sunshine of The Treacherous Three on The Library with Tim Einenkel. Cop L.A. Sunshine's new book on truehiphopmemoirs.com via PayPal. Check me out on Twitter. That's at kosher22. Also, you could check out extended versions of my interviews. If you go to iTunes, just type in The Library with Tim Einenkel. That's E-I-N-E-N-K-E-L. added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.